Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. Thought it was going to be a low-key week. I thought there's going to be no drama. I thought it was going to be so chill that I was thinking, do I get do I get a guest this week? I don't even really know what to talk about. But if there's one consistent with this team, if there's one consistent with the 49ers, it is never not crazy. There is never not drama. This is Al Sacco, 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. No Zane this week, but Zane and I have been kind of in and out of the podcast a little bit. And one thing we talked about is when we're not here is we want to start to highlight some other podcasts hosts or some other 49ers guys who do content that we, that we really respect and that we're really into. And I'm really excited today to have one of my buddies on the show. You know him from the Fourth and Gold podcast. He is the founder of the 49ers Gold Mine, Javi Vega. Javi, what's up, buddy? Oh, just another day. You said it. It's not another week. There's no dull moments in 49er land. But uh, thanks for having me on and filling in for Zane. Well, what is he doing right now? What's going on? Where's he at? What's, what is he doing? I, I don't know what he's doing. Vane, Zane is very mysterious, man. Like sometimes he just drops me a text and he's like, Al, I'm going to be off grid for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, all right, dude, let me, let me know when you're coming back. I don't know. I don't ask questions. I don't really want to know. I don't, I don't yeah. want to know what he does with his free time. Shout out to Zane. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Javi. So this game, you, you know, we've been talking all off season and you and I, you and I talk, you know, we'll, we'll text and we'll, we'll, we, we'll talk about, the, we talk so much about the quarterbacks this off season, yeah. right? All the way going back to the start with the Stafford stuff. But, to me, this week wasn't about the quarterbacks. This week was about what we've seen the, really in the Kyle Shannon era, and it, it was injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into that because I, I'm a little bit – I got some concerns, man. I really do. But we have been talking about the quarterbacks for whatever. So let's kind of start with, with Jimmy and Trey and, and what we saw in this game. And look, I thought Jimmy looked pretty good. I thought he had a good game. Now, I want to – it was the Lions. So it's not like he's out there, you know, you know, playing the Steelers defense or this. It was the Lions. The Lions might win two games this year, but you still have to take care of business against those teams. And I thought he I thought he I thought he did a good job. I mean, what was your take on him? Um, I thought he, to me, he looked like regular 2019 Jimmy. I didn't see anything too crazy. I didn't see anything in either in either direction good or bad i just thought he was efficient would be the term that i would use for jimmy garoppolo he was 17 to 25 314 and one touchdown uh i think the biggest takeaway from that game he was five uh five yeah five of five on yard passes uh 15 yards or further so that's that's a plus now were they schemed wide open a couple of them did he make that really sweet play or help make that sweet play to debo absolutely so he gets credit for those type of things um, I, the efficient would be the term I would use. Um, I did like what I saw from him under pressure, being able to evade the rush a little bit, move around because we didn't see that in 2020, right? When he did play, he just couldn't move. He didn't move or he couldn't right. move. Um, he looked very skittish. Um, I think teams were, you know, understanding what the Niners are trying to do against them. And this week we saw that early Kyle was cooking with the offensive play calls and then Jimmy was executing rather efficiently, pretty much all game. You know, Jimmy, you know, regardless of how the game ended, Jimmy made the game-winning play. Debo's just got to hold on to that ball. So, right. Um, as far as quarterbacks goes, Jimmy Jimmy looked exa- as I expected. Um, I've never once said he's a terrible quarterback. I just think he has a limited ceiling. 
And you know, if that if what we what we saw Sunday is what we're going to get the rest of the year, the Niners should win games. I don't know how many, but they should win some games. Um, so efficient would be the term I would use for Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday. Yeah, and and I agree with you where that play, the last play where where Debo fumbled, that was a great play by Jimmy. Yeah. to kind of move a little bit, which is something we didn't see last year, and and step up there and make that throw. And look, the touchdown pass to Debo, the 79 yarder, wasn't a great throw. No, <laughs> Despite what some people tweet, it was not a perfect throw. Um, <laughs> it was it was a little bit wobbly. Debo made a play, but that's fine. Listen, that happens in the course of a game for for all quarterbacks. Um, I, I, I did. I, I was really happy. I, I I agree. I think he looked like the 2019 version, and that is good enough for this team to win because they're good. Um, so we'll see. We'll talk a little bit more about it, a little bit about it more later. But the next three to four weeks to me is going to tell us what the team is and it's going to tell us what jimmy garoppolo is we'll get into that later but yeah so week one it was a plus for jimmy as far as trey i i thought they would if he was healthy anyway i thought they were going to use him more he he does have the touchdown pass early but then those runs just seem kind of clunky and kind of i don't know kind of kind of just didn't work for me did you think they were going to use him more i was a little bit surprised about the way trey was included in the game I thought I think I put the over under on him was like five and a half snaps. I think he got four, right? Four, three runs, one pass. So right around yep. where I expected. Um, I don't view this as a Taysom. I I don't view this as a Taysom Hill type of situation. I view this more as Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson type of situation. Yes, the Niners won the game against the Lions, but I saw some things late in the game with Jimmy Garoppolo in a quarterback to where it brought me back to twenty twenty with how the defenses were were. Um, defending Jimmy Garoppolo specifically. So we may run into some problems week two, week three, week four, week five against better teams. So, you know, maybe the snap with Trey Lance as the season progresses. What I, I didn't like those runs. I thought they were terrible. You know, he freezes the defense. Right? Yeah, he, he freezes the defense with that RPO, with that read action. You might as well let him throw it because what they're doing is crashing on him anyways. So if you can hold, make them hold just a little bit longer and he's going to throw the ball, you know, you, you get a lot more, um, you get a lot more options in the passing game because even on the, the, the uh, touchdown to Trent Sherfield, they, they froze three linebackers and Sherfield's wide open. Like those, those Kyle, you are a creative play caller. Don't put your brand new toy to get, take hits, unnecessary hits on three runs that gained one yard. It didn't make any sense. It, this is why I didn't believe in a two quarterback system to begin with. These guys are both rhythm passers. You need to keep, you need to make a decision, play one guy and make sure they stay in a rhythm. Um, I've been on the start Lance train the entire time. This is the only way he's going to get better. He hasn't had, he hasn't taken a NFL snap, a, a live game rep until just this Sunday, right? That ones that count. Cool. His first yeah. playing first play of his career is a touchdown, but, after that, you, you're not helping the kids' development by running these stupid plays that don't make any sense. As haven't established any type of rhythm in the offense to run those type of things, right? We know Kyle Shanahan's also a rhythm play caller. When he sees something, he's setting something up. You know, we can use those these these runs with Trey Lance after maybe you set up the run action uh, that ends up being the pass play, right? The RPO that turns into a pass play as opposed to the run play. So now you get teams to bite or come up and then you're throwing it over their head or you got guys backed up and he allows some free space for Trey Lance to run the ball. You know, we saw that early on with Colin Kaepernick. It didn't it, they worked, it worked the column because he was playing full games. It was all very sequenced and rhythmic uh, in the offense. 
So Kyle just needs to make a decision on what he wants to do with these guys. Yeah, and I just hope if he is going to get Lance in there for four or five plays, that, that it is a little bit more creative than running into the line. Let, let him get out there and throw the ball a little bit. Like you said, you said the RPO is defense is biting on it. Try, try to take a shot, man. You know, and I know it's just one week and we'll see what happens from here on out. Maybe he wanted to take it slow, but I was a little bit, I don't know. I don't want to see disappointed. I, I, I just thought, I just thought there'd be a little bit, a little bit more big, big play tries the big plays with him in there. And, and it didn't happen in week one, but we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes from here. You know, Debo has that big game and that's good to see in, in Kittle's Kittle. The Brandon Ayuk thing, man, that was just weird yeah. to me. And then Kyle comes out when he talks about the hamstring, and I'm like, all right, Kyle, I don't trust anything when he talks about injuries at this point anyway. Something's up there to me. Something strange. If his hamstring is so bad, you're letting him return punts? Like, I don't really get that. He played 26 snaps on offense, wasn't involved in the offense at all. So I, I don't know if this is a doghouse situation. I don't know if it's just a light of fire under his ass situation. I don't know. Maybe if he is worried about the hamstring, maybe he is telling the truth. I, I don't know. We know Sherfield's played well, but listen, when you look at the long term for the 49ers, Trent Sherfield's on a one-year deal. Yeah. Do I hope he can stick around and be a role player for the team? Sure. Brandon Ayuk, we were talking about three weeks ago, was a guy who was going to be an 85 catch number one receiver for you when he, he's not in the game plan week one. It was just weird to me. And I just, I, maybe because it came out of left field and, and I knew he was hurt, but I thought he was going to be somewhat involved in the offense and, and it was a little bit strange to me yeah i'm not buying the injury thing because if he had an injury why are you sending him out there to return punts right that doesn't, makes no sense it doesn't i'm not listen kyle shanahan i love the guy i think he's a great coach but he's a bad liar and we've been following him for the last two years on what he said on how he said things he his actions speak louder than his words ever do right oh yeah, I don't. Uh, I trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, cool. But I'm also going to go spend three first round picks on a quarterback, right? Or I'm going to go call Matt by Matthew Stafford and every other quarterback, right? Uh, Dante Pettis, you know, he was just really hurt. No, it comes out that he just wasn't practicing well, right? Um, the Richard Sherman thing with the with his Achilles and all that. Like there was just a lot of other factors there. With the Brandon Ayuk thing, this is a doghouse situation. Matt Mayoko made a really. I, I thought I was very interested in what Matt Mayoko said a couple weeks ago about Brandon Ayuk and his, and his practice. You know, he, he said it on, on uh, Matt Mayoko's podcast. He had mentioned um, that Ayuk started off really hot. He was having a really good camp and kind of tapered off towards the end. And the coaching staff wasn't happy with it. And then he brought it up again 24 hours before kickoff about Brandon Ayuk and his, you know, the frustrations within, within the locker room or within the coaching staff about Brandon Ayuk's training cap performance and Trent Sherfield mm-hmm. earned more reps than Brandon Ayuk. When you're, when you're Trent Sherfield, who was picked up off the street, if you're earning more snaps than Brandon Ayuk, there's a problem here somewhere and there's gotta be some type of disconnect. Now was, is Brandon Ayuk smelling himself too much being too, too high on himself, you know, kind of, you know, being lackadaisical, maybe is Kyle Shanahan too hard on some of these players? Probably. But you know, I'm not buying what Kyle's selling on. Oh, it was an injury. He only had, he was off for 10 days. And his hamstring, if he's <laughs> if his hamstring was that serious, you're not sending him out there to return punts. I'm sorry, Kyle. You're not right. doing that to your first round pick that you traded up for, by the way. Luckily, the Niners have Debo and Kittle, and they can make things, some things happen with those two. But you're gonna need Brandon Ayuk going forward. You know, he's your best wide receiver. You know, enough of this stuff, Kyle. Like you're not, you haven't. I hate it. It's probably gonna sound bad, but you haven't earned 
the respect around the league for that type of behavior. Bill Belichick can get away with that stuff, not you. Mm-hmm. Right? You have three losing seasons in four. I love Kyle Shannon. You know this better than anybody, but this is absolute nonsense what he's doing with some of these players. You play your best players, you get them targets, you get them involved. This game was an eight point game, and it probably could have been. You know, the score could have been much higher if Brandon Ayuk got more targets. The guy with the ball in his hand is outstanding. And, right. you know, he's still got 20, 20 or 26 offensive snaps. He was in the route tree. The one play to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is wide open behind Debo Samuel. Like, come on, Kyle. You're not fooling anybody here with this stuff. And, and again, Trent Sherfield, I think, could be a nice role player for this team. He is not Brandon Ayuk. This guy's been in the league for a while. Brandon Ayuk can end up being a star that's not Sherfield. So you, so you could blow all the smoke up his ass you want to that, you know, Sherfield. Maybe he did outplay him in camp, but, but long term, keep talking about the big theme for this year for the Niners is that they have to start to win consistently. This is the beginning of their window. And one of the core players, I think, for this window is Brandon Ayuk. So like you said, he's one of your best players. He's got to get on the field. We don't know what happened behind closed doors. We don't know if it was really something where he had to get reprimanded. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that, that I know that. But this is a guy you need. So if it's a petty thing, I hope it was a one week. You learn your lesson and you move forward because they definitely need this guy. Another guy I thought they would need, and I actually have a lot to say on the running back situation right now. I was also shocked Trey Sherman, Trey Sherman was not active. That came out of total left field for me. Um, and obviously, Elijah Mitchell has a great game, and I thought he'd be a good back too. Um, but Sermon, again, I don't know if there's something behind the scenes we didn't see, but this is this is your third round pick that, again, you traded up for, and he's not active in week one. That was, again, just one of those things that it was like, what the hell is going on? Because <laughs> he's another guy that you went up in the third round to get, and you hope that he's a part of your core moving forward. Again, it was just kind of bizarre to me to not see him active. Yeah, it's just, it's just super bizarre. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know what to think, man. After yesterday's game, man, it was just super frustrating. Just the way he answered those questions and the Trey Sermon thing. From what I understand, there's some rumor rolling around that he was late for curfew and, you know, that might have been it. But for him to say what he said about Trey Sermon, then why was he your number one back after Mostert all preseason? Like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense to me either. Like, I don't, I'm not buying what Kyle's selling right now. So, I don't don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) No. It is. It's, it's just a little bit bizarre. And it's, it was just all really out of left field. It just seems like something happened. So maybe it was a curfew thing with him and Ayuk or just something weird. And we'll see in week two if they're kind of back in the mix. Maybe it was just a discipline thing that he's not going to come out and tell us about, which is fine. If that's the way it happened, that's the way it happened. It, it was just it was just strange. And like you said, he was number two all preseason. And all of a sudden he's not. Just just really strange. And look, Mitchell looked great. And if Mitchell's the guy going forward and he plays like that, awesome. But now you got a really young running back room with Hasty Mostert. I'm sorry, Hasty Mitchell, and um, you assume Sermon because Mostert again, and this is the first of the injuries we're going to talk about. And you got to feel for the guy; he's out eight weeks with 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 a chip in his knee. Yeah, Mostert when he Man. plays, so That's he cool. is in 49ers history. He is the highest yards per carry of any running back in team history with at least 250 carries. Dude averages 5.6 yards per carry. He's the I think he's probably the second fastest player in the league, maybe behind Tyreek Hill. He's an explosive player, but the issue the Niners have had is they have good players that are injury prone. And listen, I love Mostert. I love it. I think he's so exciting. He, he had a legendary game in that championship game, but he gets hurt. 
and he's not signed next year and he's probably not going to get reset. They're probably not going to bring him back because of the injuries. So I hate to see him get hurt, but it's one of those things that you kind of had to expect. And the one thing, Javi, I don't get about sort of how they do the running back. So you look at the way this team, and I thought they were going to draft a running back early because Kyle Shanahan has shown that he's he, he does that. So he tried to draft Joe Williams early. He paid big money for McKinnon. He paid money for Coleman. They've been aggressive with running backs, but the running backs that have been the best for them, that have been the most productive are your Matt Breedas, are your Raheem Mostert's, yeah. are your Jeff Wilson Jr.'s, the guys mm-hmm. who are undrafted free agents or, or now Mitchell is a late round pick. So it's always been a little weird to me that they've been so aggressive with running backs when they get so much production from the guys that they sign as undrafted free agents or just, just draft late. So it's, it's the, that's a little bit bizarre to me, but the thing with Mostert, it's like, it was one of those things, Javi, where I'm like, okay, it's not, if he's going to get hurt, it's when (laughs) it ended up being after two carries. So that's really frustrating. And this room is, this running back room is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't hate the pick when they made it. I didn't understand it. You know, I, I thought the Niners would needed to get a wide receiver and a corner with, uh, their second and third round picks. They chose to go with Aaron Banks, who was also a healthy scratch because he ha- he hasn't fit the role for this offense. So that's another conversation. Trey Sermon being a, a healthy scratch is just another head scratcher. And then, you know, with, with this offense, there's no reason for you to draft a running back that early, right? I'm, I'm a big Trey Sermon mm-hmm. fan. I, I like the pick, you know, but in, in all reality, the, Kyle Shannon is going to get production out of anybody in that position for the most part. Um, when it comes to Mostert, man, that's just rough. Like he had the knee issue last year after the Jets game. It kind of just never healed, I guess, correctly. Remember, he did. He was wearing a knee brace. He said, you know, it was no big deal. And I think it's the same knee he had. The, I think the same knee was injured as the one he had the brace on. So it was a big deal, and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, luckily the Niners have a Sermon, a Mitchell, much of Michael Hasty, and Jeff Wilson should be back by week six, week seven. So that helps. Mostert expects to miss eight weeks, so you can have him towards the back end of the season. I'm on the the of the thought process to limit Mostert's carries, anyways. You know, keep him at 120, 130. You know, you don't want him to right. have a huge workload because you're going to optimize his efficiency that much more when he's getting those type of touches that are, you know, where he's not breaking 150 touches. You, you want him to do that. You want him to be that way because he can't stay healthy. And it's no fault of his own. It's just some guys' bodies just don't, can't withstand the beating and the pounding. And I think another thing with the NFL is just, just get rid of turf fields. Just get rid of turf in general. That might help out. That's so brutal. I mean, brutal. His knee and ankle and foot injuries too. Um, it just sucks for Mostert. And, and Mostert's a really big part of this offense. Not you know his speed really changes things, especially with the outside zone, how you how they're able to run the boot action off of it, and then of course this Trey Lance Mostert package, um, you know those things change. So Elijah Mitchell, really good speed. I think he was a four three kid out of, coming out of college. About him, he was able to run through some tackles, run through some arm tackles, be aggressive at the point of attack. So it was very impressive what we saw from him. So just kind of further more proof. That Kyle can get production from most running backs as long as they're healthy. 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Like, you know, stop wasting early draft picks on running backs. It's just not worth it because you're not going to pay right. them anyway. So just keep drafting running backs every year late in, the, late, in, late in the draft or find undrafted free agent guys like Matt Breida, and you'll be fine. I just don't understand some of this thinking, especially after the fact. 
and a lot of these rookie running backs tend to hit a wall at the end at the end of the regular season. So I guess in a perfect world at this point, when you look at the net where the Niners are set up, they get production early out of Mitchell and Sermon. And then towards the end of the season, you have Mostert and Wilson back, hopefully, and maybe hopefully for a playoff run. And those those two can help you get in there in there, too. It is a deep group. That's why I kind of thought Wayne Gallman was going to make the team just because if there was an injury to Mostert, he would have been a vet type guy, a guy who started before. You know, he filled in really, really well for the Giants. Uh, it was 4.6 yards per carry when um, Squan Barkley went out last year when he was starting. He scored a lot of touchdowns for them. And, you know, the Giants aren't exactly a high-profile offense, so he had some really strong games for them. I was surprised when they let him go. Now we'll see if maybe they have to pick up another vet. I don't really know where that's gonna what's going to happen there, but we'll we'll see moving forward. I guess what Kyle's plan is for that next week. So yeah, I guess couple- I think there's one out there. Duke Johnson would fit the mold and he's on a practice squad. So that might be one to make a call about. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was an interesting name too. Um, they definitely have to get somebody like that in there. He can catch the ball. That, that would be an interesting guy to maybe bring in. And, and like I said, you said, yeah, I, I think they're going to get somebody in there soon. All right, a couple things on the defense and we'll start with the Jason Verrett injury. And this is, all right, I can go on these cornerbacks forever. First thing with Verrett, I want to say, I'm heartbroken for the guy because mm-hmm. he he struggled with injuries his whole career. Comes back, he has a terrific season next, last year. Gets a, a one-year one deal with the Niners, and you think, all right, has this guy finally is you know was he going to be able to stay on the field? And then he just gets the ACL injury. You could see how he was just distraught, right, in tears, and all the air was taken out of the team after that. Feel awful for him, and I really hope that he can get back because he is a hell of a player when he's healthy. It's terrific. Having said that, the 49ers, when you look at their cornerback room, Jason Brett played six games in four years. Last year was the first year he was really healthy. They put a lot of faith in him this year to be their main corner and stay healthy. And that was a huge risk. There is not much behind him on the outside. I don't worry about Kwan Williams in the slot. But behind behind Verrett, you have Mosley, who's okay. I mean, you know, he's he's a second corner, I guess. Then there was really nothing else. You draft Ambry Thomas. Lenore looks great so far. But then you got a journeyman. Well, not really a journeyman. He's always with the 49ers. But I guess Dante Johnson doesn't excite everybody, anybody. You bring in Josh Norman's at the end of his career. Um, they just signed Drake Patrick, right? Yep. Again, a guy who's, yep, but it, sort of at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Richard Sherman, I, I'm sorry, he looked done last year. I think if he comes in, it doesn't excite me at all. They put, and I, I've been talking about it all offseason, the cornerbacks scare me. They're one injury away from a problem. And now they may have both of their starters out next week. To me, the way that, again, I, I wish the best for Verrett, but the way that they handled this to me was absolutely mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling that they didn't bring in another vet and they put so much stock in a player who's been injured his whole career, really. Really. So we'll see where this goes, Javi. But to me, it's another thing, kind of like Mostert, where like it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And it just it, it bit them in the ass right away. Right away. Now they have to deal with it after week one. Yeah, I mean, if anyone's paying attention, I, I think most 49 fans understood that the cornerback room <clears throat> was light. You know, um, Akella Witherspoon, say, you know, say what you like about the guy. He was he had his moments. He was pretty, you know, he, he could be used right now. Um, Emmanuel Mosey. Absolutely. Um, you got guys behind him, Ambry Thomas, Diamond Lenore, who had a really good game yesterday. But Ambry has been thus far a, a large disappointment being, you know, a fourth round pick. Um, 
So that's rough. With Verrett, you said it, man. You just feel bad for the guy. The guy, he fought back from a ACL, then Achilles. Then he comes to San Francisco. He plays that one game against the Steelers. I think it's like three snaps. He gets torched, and his knee just never gets right. Um, and the Niners stick with him, and they stick this out. They see this through. He comes back 2020, rewards this team, and the Niners reward him with a one-year contract. It's just, you know, the, this is the thinking with the 49ers is kind of frustrating as well. They, they they are in the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley. Everyone wants to run this money ball type of stuff. And I think they use that, that type of logic when it comes to players with injuries. Like, yeah, we can rehab these guys up, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just best to let guys go with injury histories or don't draft guys with injury histories. And that's why you run into so many problems. And it's not the training staff issue. Right. It's your evaluation process, the medical process. Now, Jason Red gave him a one really one really good year, and this is why I was kind of I'm not super high on this 49ers team this year. You know, I think they'll be a playoff team. I think they have the ability to win ten games, but I didn't I didn't view this team as a Super Bowl team because the minute Jason Verrett went down, the Lions decided to throw the ball all over the place and finish that game mm-hmm. and get within eight. The Lions. Eight the Lions. Jared Goff and the Lions. Right. With Quintus Cephas and Tyrell Williams. Right. Like. It's just super frustrating. Like, how are the Niners going to respond against, I don't know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager next week? What about week three when you got to play Devontae Adams? And week four, you got uh, Seattle and, and DK and Tyler Lockett, and then Arizona comes up. Like, you, you're in trouble if you can't fix your cornerback room. I understand the 49ers are very much into pass rush versus coverage, but a pass rush can only hide so much, especially if they weren't getting home. Like, Cool, we had a whole bunch of pressures, but they weren't getting home very much against the Lions, who right. have a good offensive line. I give them credit, but it's just it. This is not 2019, and a lot of fans automatically assume Bosa's back, Jimmy's back, D Ford's going to play. We're going to be back to the Super Bowl. No, the expectation should have been set at 10 wins, 11 wins, and we'll see where we get right. from there. Get the playoffs, just, right? Yeah, just get to the playoffs. Um. And I hate to be super negative, but that's the way I walked away from this game. I was like, we're in trouble. Because if you don't have a corner, at least one corner, you're not going very far in this league, especially the passing league. If anyone watched <clears throat> the Rams, Daffer's dropping bombs all over the place. You watch Arizona, Tyler's dicing people up. And then we all know what Russell Wilson does. Right? And uh-huh. we, it's just, it's, uh, it's worrisome. And the Niners need to do something. They need to make a phone call to, Denver about one of these corners or Minnesota about one of their corners. They, they got to figure something out. They have to. They have no choice if they want to make a run. You know, I was kind of with you where, where everybody wants to go to 2019. This is a different team. There's no Sherman. There's no Buckner. You know, they had Quan Alexander. There's no Weston Richburg. There's no Emmanuel Sanders. It, it's, it's a different team. That was kind of a one-year window with 2019 because of the injuries last year. It ended up being kind of, kind of fluky or whatever. And now it's a little bit of a different team. And yeah, you have to walk before you can run. So I understand they got 2019 happened, but now I agree with you. I think they're about, I think if they're healthy, I think they're looking 11 win team this year and they're going to get in the playoffs. I do not think they're on the level of, of a Tampa Bay. I mean, New Orleans look, look great. The Rams, the Rams, I think are really good. You know, Seattle's always good. I, I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet. And I agree with you that there's there's some concern for me. And I said the next three four weeks we're going to find out who this team is. Absolutely. The Lions are awful, and, and yeah, they they had a good whatever. The Niners look good on offense, and there were some good things that happened until the end. 
But the next four weeks before the bye, the Eagles game does not look as easy as it did a few weeks ago. Hurts look good in week one. And like you said, they have Rager, they have Smith. They're going to get tested there. The Eagles have a good defensive line. Then you got to play the Packers. So I don't care what they looked like in week one. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Then you have the Seahawks. With this secondary with Metcalf and Lockett? Are you, are you kidding me? And then they got to play the Cardinals, who again, everyone say, oh, Cardinals, Cliff Clinbury is a bad coach. I don't care. They got a lot of talent on that offense. And another thing, Javi, that's that with these next games, who, what do the Niners have trouble with? Mobile QBs. Yep. And you got Hurts. Rodgers still move around. Wilson always gives them fits. Kyler Murray. So we're going to see a lot. And even the Niners in 2019, when they had that dominant defensive line, those mobile QBs drove them crazy. So we're going to find out in the next three or four weeks what this team is. We're going to see the offense when Chandler Jones is coming after Garoppolo. You know, when the Smiths are coming after coming after Garoppolo for the Packers, that Eagles defensive line. We're going to find out a lot more in the next three or four weeks. And I, you know, I, I hope, you know, they're 1-0 right now. I hope they, I hope they come out at 4-1. and one. I don't think they're going to. I think if they're 3-2 and two from there, I think we consider that a win going into the bye. Um, because like you said, right now, that cornerback room, there's major issues. And, and also, the run defense really did not look good, which was also concerning. Yeah. And I don't know if it has to do with Kinlaw not being there. Bosa, Bosa and Ford, I think, are going to take a little time to get back in the swing of things. But the run defense is what scared me a little bit. Maybe it was Kinlaw. But, but you know, like you said, like you said I think there's some concerns there. And, and we'll see in the next three four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before, before we get into the run defense, uh, David Lombardi just tweeted out, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, we knew about that. And then there's interest in Richard Sherman. Um, he's also confirming that San Francisco also inquired about a trade for cornerback Cameron Dantzler from Minnesota. I had heard the same thing a few hours ago, but nothing has materialized. The Niners are, are shopping. They're looking for a corner. They know their deficiency. They need to fix it. They need to go find something. Uh, Dantzler was a healthy scratch in Minnesota yesterday. He went from cornerback one last year to not even top of the depth chart. So who knows what happened with Mike Zimmer and Dantzler in Minnesota, but that is out there now. Um, as far as the rush defense goes, I said it on my podcast. I've tweeted a million times. I absolutely hate the wide nine. I cannot stand it. I hate it on early downs. I hate it on late downs. If you are getting gashed up the middle, why don't you just pinch down your line? Pinch your line down. Stop running this wide nine on first and 10 and second and eight. These are obvious running situations, and you're giving up 15 yards every time. Kinlaw being, not being there is a huge, a huge factor. But if you know that, D'Amico, you got to make these adjustments. And I said it on my podcast, too. D'Amico, you have the keys to a Ferrari on this defense. Don't screw it up. And he's So looked, much talent in the front seven. Yeah. Yeah. He, the defense looked very much, uh, looked like there was a lot of miscommunication. I know D'Amico wanted to be more aggressive. Cool. That's fine. But sometimes if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Run what you run. Play them straight up. And make your adjustments as you go throughout the game. But and this what they ran yesterday was concerning. Like, why is Fred Warner in so much zone? Right? Like, I think the most exciting part of yesterday's game was their nitro package where they had Ford, Armstead, Ibukum, and Bosa. And the final snap of the game, it was uh, street instead of Armstead. But even still, that was probably the most exciting and creative thing I saw. 
it's this run defense is going to be an issue, and it was an issue previously, but once you know uh, Salah made the adjustment to kind of get get away from that wide nine, we saw a lot better run defense. I, I just think the Niners need to get rid of it in general, use it sparingly. It just that's the biggest concern for me is this wide nine. I, I don't, I've never liked it when I when I lived in Philadelphia. I got to see it firsthand with the Eagles. I hated it then. I don't like it now. It's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, especially when teams know that you can just run up the middle with some misdirection and you have this inside trap game mm-hmm. and they can take advantage. And you mentioned Sal's adjustments. I don't think that's been talked about enough how much they're going to miss him this year. And it doesn't mean Ryan's can't be a very good defensive coordinator or he won't be this year or eventually whatever. He has the opportunity to be. But look, Sala was really coming into his own, especially last year. You know, the Niners had a ton of injuries last year, and, and that defense still really held up for the most part. And, and he's going to be missed, and, and Ryan's is, is going to have growing pains for sure, which is another reason this year where I'm kind of like hoping for 11 wins, and I, I just don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet because that, that's going to take some time to adjust. You hope he learned some things from this past week, and I, I do agree with you on the wide nine. Um you know, we'll see where it all goes. But you, you mentioned those cornerbacks. So I can't help but thinking, if you, if it's week two, and I understand you would injure your best one, but still, it's week two, and you just signed a corner, and now you're in the trade market for another corner. What the hell were you thinking all offseason? What, what were you thinking if you're already in panic mode, looking all around for cornerbacks? You know you didn't have depth. <laughs> you knew it wasn't there. Dante Johnson isn't the answer. So who have they signed the last week? They're bringing in Josh Moore, Norman, Kirkpatrick, and now they're looking, they're looking for a trade? Three corners in a week? What does that tell you about your cornerback room? And guys mm-hmm. like us are sitting here saying it. Oh, don't be negative. But it could derail the season, dude. It, it honestly could. That, that to me, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, you'd think they lost 41-3, to three, by the way, we're talking today. But like, it's I mean, frustrating as hell to hear that. They won. In this game, we would be talking a lot differently if that last eight minutes didn't exist, right? Um, but, w- you know, for folks like you and I and others who create content, we understand this team a lot better than just your casual fan. When you started looking at this roster, we all said it during the draft process. You got to get a corner. You got to get a corner. Go get a corner. Cool, you got them, but you got them late. And Lenore looks good, but the other one looks bad. You can't miss on these corners late in drafts when you're not even getting you're not getting anything out of your second round pick in Aaron Banks and Sermon was a healthy scratch um, yesterday. You know I had Benjamin St. Juiced on my podcast. He's a d- defensive back from Minnesota, now plays for the Washington Football Team. He was a perfect scheme fit. Tyson Campbell got drafted uh, at 33 to Jacksonville. Asante Samuel's Jr. wasn't my favorite guy, but he got picked right before Aaron Banks. Like. Mm-hmm. What are we thinking here, right? Like, I get it. You love your pass rush, but your pass rush doesn't matter if you don't have one viable corner on the field. Say we can say what we want about Richard Sherman, but Richard Sherman in 2019 was shutting down his third of the field consistently, whether that be because of right. his reputation or because of his smarts. It still happened. So then you all you have to do is worry about that other two thirds of the field. So it makes your pass defense look great. You don't have that right now. You have Ambry Thomas, Diamondo Lenore, two rookies. You have Manuel Moses, who can't stay healthy. Jason Verrett is gone. You just signed Josh Norman. You signed Drake Kirkpatrick. None of this stuff makes this team any better. Did they add a win by this? No, they didn't. 
Can they go get Cam Dantzler from Minnesota? Maybe, but does he does he shut down one side of the field? Who knows? It just they this whole this draft it looks bad right now because you're not getting anything from Banks. Trey Lance didn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. Sermon isn't playing. Ambry Thomas looks like a whiff. Lenore looks good, and um, Ufanga looks good. The rest of the draft is, from what it looks like, is a wash. You know, and I hate to be negative, but if you're not getting anything out of your first three picks, why did you even draft? Right. So it just yeah. I understand. I understand right. the quarterback thing because you still have Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever. But a lot of this stuff always comes back to Jimmy, anyways. You 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 have this twenty four million dollars invested in this player, who's on. You know, he's, he's, his days are numbered here as a 49ers quarterback. You could have moved off and went and signed a corner, paid somebody to come in. It, you know, you had to redo Jimmy Ward's contract to give yourself enough clap, cap flexibility just in case somebody got hurt. Remember last year, the Niners did everything possible on their, their payroll except touch Jimmy's contract to make sure they had room to get through the season without injuries, with the injuries that they had. They're, they're mm-hmm. in the same situation they are now. You already got. Mostered out, and you got and you got Verrett out. They're doing the same thing. It, it's it's insanity to me what's going on uh, with some of these front office decisions. I like John Lynn's and I like Kyle Shanahan, but some of these are some questionable decisions. And I think you and I have spoken about it before. The common denominator in a lot of these really weird decisions is Parag. So I don't know where his influence is with these picks or what they're doing with some of this money. Great, he can sign a great contract. Every team has a Parag. Like let's be real, every team right. has one of those. But they've got to figure out what to do at corner. And it's right now it's too late because you're already into week two. And no one's out there. And no one's gonna no one feels bad for the 49ers that they don't have a corner. So the price goes up on if you want to make a trade or an acquisition. You know, Kelvin Joseph was taken at 44. Like these it's just it's frustrating, man. I'm now I'm getting frustrated looking at draft list in front of me right now. <laughs> No, dude. I'm I, listen. I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with you. And and again, not not to be super negative, but I just watching that game and seeing things unfold and seeing the injuries happen that I knew were going to happen. I knew you just again. Jaquas Tart's another. He's a great player. I just feel like when is he going to get hurt again? It's frustrating as hell, and that they didn't have backups for some of these things is just frustrating as hell. And you mentioned Jimmy a little bit, and I tweeted this last night. I was watching the Rams game, and you and I we love Stafford. I mean. We were, we were, we were, you know, standing on the soapbox like this guy, if he comes to San Francisco, he's going to be amazing. And I think we saw last night an example of why you and I were saying those things. He looked like he'd been in that offense for 10 years. I thought he looked great last night. And the Rams didn't even run the ball that well. He just, he's making plays down the field. He was already in sync with his receivers. He just looked in command of the offense. I think he had 26 yep. attempts and over 300 yards, three touchdowns. He looked great. He was insane yesterday. He was absolutely flawless. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was absolutely great. So I got to thinking, I'm like, all right, this is a quarterback-driven league. I'm thinking, who are the top 10 QBs in the league? Russell Wilson is definitely in there. He's probably top five. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking top 10. I think Stafford's going to be there this year. I think Stafford played an MVP level. I think he's perfect for that offense. So you have two top 10 QBs in the division. Kyler looked really good in week one. Kyler is a problem because of how he can move his, his athletic ability and things like that. Can he take a jump into the top 10? Maybe. I don't think that's crazy to say that he, you can't say he was the 10th best QB in the league this year. Um, so I get to thinking, can the Niners really win this division 
if the other three quarterbacks in the division are top 10 QBs, unless Garoppolo has a, has a career year or Lance comes in and just hits ground running odds are stacked against them, right? Yeah. I mean, McVeigh has earned the respect around the league. You know, he's got three playoff appearances in four years. He's likely going to make another playoff appearance. That's four out of five. Got Stafford. Russell, we know what Russell Wilson can do. Kyler is going to be Kyler. He gives you so many different elements. And we have the worst quarterback room in the division. Unless Lance, you know, turns into Justin Herbert. It's going to mm. be a challenge. It's an uphill battle at the quarterback position. This is a, Like you said, it's a quarterback-driven league. Yeah, Jimmy was 17-25 on Sunday, but none of that was spectacular. It was a bunch of easy stuff. The Jimmy gimmies, the stuff over the middle. You know, teams know what's coming with this offense. And again, if you go back and watch that Detroit game, Detroit started sitting on everything over the middle. You know, Seattle knows this not our team inside and out. Rams know this team inside and out, et cetera. You know, it's, it's an uphill battle. The Niners need to win four of six in the division to even make a wild card. They have to. There's no way mm-hmm. you're, winning, you're going to win the division three and three. Right? You're not going to do that. It, doesn't, it just doesn't add up. Luckily, the Niners have a light schedule based on, you know, strength of schedule and everything else, but you're going to need more from your quarterback. And we saw three other guys play like top 10 guys or MVP level stuff on, on Sunday. And our guy was just his normal self. So those things matter. And if those three guys are lighting it up like that and we don't have an answer at corner, we're in trouble too. It's just, this is what it is. Like, it's not, it's not to be super negative. It's just, it's just a tough ask for this 49ers team right now based on what we see and what is on this roster to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to make they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the division. No, right now I view them as a wild card team with a first round bounce. That's how I view them right now. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of right there with you on that. And and when you, when you watch the the teams in the division, I mean the Rams, Jefferson, Cup, Woods, Higby, just their weapons everywhere in the passing game. The Cardinals look scary in the passing game. Metcalf and Lockett are, you know, they're right up there in terms of one, two in the league with receivers. It's, 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 it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary unless they can clean it up on, on the back end. Um, and the quarterbacks I just mentioned, I mean, you know, Stafford doesn't move that well, but, but Murray and, and Wilson are going to buy time. So if you want to talk about the pass rush, those guys are going to run around and make plays. And if you can't cover, it's, it's going to be a little bit scary. So, so yeah, I was, I'm still hopeful for the season, and I, and I still think, like you said, I think they're a wild card team. But the, I, I just some of the expectations for for the fan base, I, I didn't understand it. And I guess I just, I just don't understand it. Um, I maybe I just feel like I'm looking at a different team than other people are. Bosa's great; he's coming off an ACL. Ford's coming off a big injury, and those were two guys who carried you in 2019. You know, you said Jim, Jimmy's Jimmy. Now we have this Ayuk drama. Is he is he even going to be playing? It's it's just. I, I don't know. It's 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 tough to sit here and be as positive I was a, a week ago with the injuries and the way things are the way things are going. I just I just feel like this team is already at a kind of a crossroads. I know you're saying, "Oh, we won." It's week one again. You mm-hmm. probably played the worst team in the league. You you do you will not know about this team for another three or four weeks. And if yeah. they're four and one going into the bye, I will eat my words, man. Yeah, Absolutely. I will say I was wrong. But you're I was not- dead wrong. I will say it. But right now, I'm nervous as hell. Nervous as hell, Javi. I, I don't. I'm nervous at how the season's going to go. And they listen. I love Kyle Shanahan too. Bottom line is, it's been three out of four 
10 lost seasons. He has to start winning this year. He has to. He's got to get this team in playoff contention this year, and they have to start going on, on a winning run. I don't care how good of a play caller you are. I don't care how much your, your fan base loves you. Eventually, you have to start winning games. This is a huge season for them. He knows it. Lynch knows it. Everybody knows it. They have to start winning this year, or things are going to start to turn around quickly. Yeah, no, Kyle has Kyle has to win. They, they regardless, it has to be ten wins. Ten wins is is the floor. You have no excuse. Um, but you know, to highlight some really good positives, though, I thought from this game, um, just running through this defensive line for the Niners, regardless of the run defense, their pass, the pass rush, to me looked pretty damn good. Could it be better? Of course, but Eric. 27 pass rushing snaps, 10 pressures. Bosa had 24 for six pressures. Consavius Street, 23, five pressures and a sack. Samson Ibukum, 19 pass rushes, one pressure. And the one pressure was the one at the final the final play of the game that caused uh, Goff to throw an air and throw. Arn Key, 17 and one. Kevin Givens, 14 and two. D Ford, D Ford, D Ford, nine pass rush snaps, six pressures and a sack. One of those pressures resulted in a pick six for Dre Greenlaw. So they're going to get their pressure. They're going to gel a little bit more on the defensive line when it comes to this pass rush. It's just the run defense in the corners. We have to figure this out. And D'Amico, stop running so much zone with Fred Warner, please. <laughs> and Lenore was another positive. He played 90 snaps. Oh, and yeah. He allowed just one catch on three targets for three yards. He, he had a really, really strong game. So that's, that's somebody, again, but it's going to be a lot for him as a fifth-round pick going against you know the, your Metcalfs of the world and things like that. But for the... He looks like he's going to be a player on this team, and that's pretty huge. And then Elijah Mitchell, too. Listen, people were asking me if he was going to make the team two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he comes out and has the big game. I think it was 19 for 114, maybe. 104. Um, huge game on the ground. He looks like he's going to be a player moving forward. And Debo had, other than the fumble, Debo was the best player on that offense. I mean, Debo was outstanding, making plays left and right. And if he could stay healthy, he could be a monster for them this year. So that was exciting to see in the passing game. And it's exciting to see when you have weapons like that, when you do eventually bring Lance in there and get that downfield threat going. So, so that, that was another really good thing to see. There were definitely some positives. I thought they went out and they took care of business initially. Um, but to me, it was the injuries, I think, have, may have set them on down a bad path, which is why I'm kind of like, Ugh, where, where you know, is this going to go? But You can survive. <clears throat> You can survive an injury to Raheem Mostert. You can survive an injury, an injury to Verrett. What, what you can't survive is an injury to the quarterback. So, you know, I, I hate even saying it like that, but at the end of the day, it's the quarterback-driven league. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, they're going to win games. They're, Kyle can scheme it open, scheme the run game. We saw what he can do with the run game. It's, it's, it's insane. Obviously, the best I think the best news of it was Raheem's not out for the season. Um so that's a plus. So if the Niners are going to make this push or this run late in the season, it will be very helpful to have him in the fold. And Jeff Wilson's on the way back too. So you you want those two guys late in the season if you're going to run uh, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. So you have similar type of backs with Wilson, Mostert, Mitchell, and Sermon. You can rotate all four of those guys in and out. So that's a plus. Um, <laughs> I just I just hate leaving a game a win with that taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? Like. It's like the Jets game <clears throat> last year. You won, but you lost because of the injuries. You know what other game it kind of reminded me of just in terms of the feel? The 2018 game against Detroit. Remember when Garoppolo th- 
through they had the lead and they yeah. blew it at the end and then Garoppolo threw the pick six that got called back. Yep. After that game, and again, there were high expectations that year, and everybody was kind of like, oh, like that just didn't feel right. Like it felt that didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And then they went out the next week and they were down 35 nothing to KC or whatever it was. And then Jimmy tears his ACL and it all went to hell. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen next week, but just that kind of really bad taste in your mouth after the game is, is what it felt like. And it was interesting that it was against the Lions, too. It just felt, went from feeling like they were taking care of business and we'll still see what happens from here to uh, what the hell is going on with literally within 15 minutes of real time or whatever it was. It was just, just the air got yeah. sucked out of everything that quickly. I, I don't remember another game like that that I think felt it was just crazy. Yeah. I, I took a lot of flack on this on, for the, on the internet. Um, <clears throat> but the game, to me, it changed with the red injury, but the next offensive drive, six minutes left, it's third and four, balls behind Debo Samuel, bad pass, drop ball, third and four with six minutes left. You convert that. You convert that third and four, you completely avoid the last six minutes of the game. Like You, you, it, you run it down at the very least it's 44 to 17 cuz you make a field goal and you're out of there and you have you know the lions playing with 2 minutes or less so you know these late game they have to convert these late these late game situations that's another issue that I thought I thought about uh while we were talking I think I mentioned it already but that one just keeps sticking with me it's like man if he would have just caught that pass or Jimmy threw a better ball we avoid the entire last 6 minutes of that game well you're taking heat for it the head coach said the same thing Shanahan said he, he should have converted that play, you know? Players do worst. Because God forbid any fan says anything because <laughs> I'm not an expert or I, I've never played. I've played football. Like, I understand how to watch football. I've, play, I've watched the game for 28 years, right? I've been a Niner fan for 28 years. I, I know what I'm watching. And fans just don't know how to separate emotion. Automatically, you think you're slandering Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, no. The coach even said the same thing. He's like, hey, we convert that third and four. Different outcome. Like, come on, man. Right. What are we doing? What one of my themes this year for just everything is like, I'm just like entrenched in reality right now, and I don't want to sit here and, and look. Am I a 49ers fan? Yes, I'm passionate about the team. Uh, when I'm pissed, I'm gonna say it. When I'm happy, I'm gonna say it. When I'm when I'm worried, I'm gonna say it. When I think they're gonna kick somebody's ass, I'm gonna say it. But I'm gonna be honest about it. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat everything where everything's great and all. Oh, we're gonna be I'm gonna say what I feel, man. And, and when they screw up or I think you say it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's funny that you say that and people get on you and then the coach comes out and says the same thing, the exact same thing. It was a big play in the game. And that's what, listen, when you talk about great quarterbacks in the league, not that Tom Brady's never made a mistake, but 99% of the time Brady makes that throw, right? Like the great quarterbacks finish that play, like you said, and when that doesn't happen, you're like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, you could say, well, he didn't play super great. Yeah, whatever in week one they, they still brought they still won the super bowl he played he played terrible for three and a half quarters he still won he still brought them back you know they still make those plays at the end yep. or whatever so you know yeah it, it is what it is if you get frustrated it just you know but again we will see three to four weeks we will talk and if if i am wrong you could tweet at me you could <laughs> say whatever you want to tweet i'm sure hobby doesn't care either you could tweet at us and say you guys are morons but i am nervous as hell right now Listen, we've been right a lot more than we've been wrong. That's all I'm saying. That's true. That's um, true. Hey, Al, you know, I know this is not my show, uh, but I did want to say something. Uh, Paris Harrelson passed away today. And yeah, yep. that was a guy that I really enjoyed watching. So I didn't want to end the show without mentioning him. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but 
37 years old. We don't know the cause of death, but rest in peace to Paris Harrison. It was one of my favorite players during, um, during the Harbaugh, that one year with Harbaugh. Um, and then, of course, with Singletary and Nolan and those guys. I, I always liked his play. Um, he was kind of ahead of his time based on the way the type of linebacker he was. Um, I was talking to Adam Snyder a little bit ago. You know, he was heartbroken about it all. I just wanted to send uh, some prayers out to his family and, and the Niners community and, you know, just hopefully they're okay and they can get through this and sending them peace and well wishes. Yeah, it's one of those shocking things you see and you just can't believe it, right? 37 years old and I saw it come across Twitter and I think Dante Whitner tweeted it and you're mm-hmm. just like, what? Harrelson, how does that even happen? And just said, you, you just, your thoughts go out to the family and, and his, his teammates and friends. It's just brutal, man. You just hate to hear this stuff. It's just, just terrible. So hopefully they can find some peace. And, and like you said, he was, a, he was a great player to watch. He was just a solid contributor to that team for a really, really long time. He was a good player. And yeah, just, just, just thoughts and prayers with that man. So, all right, before we take it out of your hobby, what are you thinking for this week for, for this Eagles game? How are, how are you feeling? Um, I don't feel good about it. Um, we just got done talking about the corners and the Eagles have Devonte Smith and Jalen Rager. Those guys are pretty damn good. Jalen Rager. I was kind of suspect on, but he looked good yesterday. Now Atlanta stinks, but if you are not getting home on Jalen hurts and you're, you're having your corners play one-on-one four or five, six seconds out there, we might be in trouble, right? What is Fred Warner going to do against Ertz and Goddard is Greenlaw healthy this week. I still think we can win this game. Because Kyle can scheme a lot of stuff open. And the biggest weakness for the Eagles is their corners and their safeties and their linebackers. So what does Kyle like to exploit? Safeties and linebackers. Last year, if we all remember, Kittle had 15 for 183 um, against this Eagles. Similar secondary and similar uh, linebacking group. So there's, there's, there's some positives there. Jimmy Garoppolo is much better than Nick Mullins. So we shouldn't have some stupid turnover in this game. But who knows, right? Um, I think this is going to be a close game. I got them 21-17, somewhere in that range. But as long as they come out with a win, they just, they just need to stay ahead of the win because Seattle has... Um, I forget who Seattle plays this week, but they're, you know, it's, it's not the hardest schedule. Um, but you want to make sure you're keeping pace all the way throughout. You don't want to fall behind early in this division, especially when you have two early division games. Um, yeah, the Seahawks play the Titans. I want to say the Rams play. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, the Seahawks. Are, Rams got the Bucks. Got Tennessee. So that's a tough one. And then yep. Arizona I think plays the Colts. Actually, uh, Arizona plays the Vikings. Never mind. So you know, it's still uh, the Niners have the easiest of the four. Mm-hmm. But you still got to keep pace. And Arizona looked better than the Cardinals last week. Titans did not look good at all. And then, of course, uh, the Rams and Bucks is going to be a really good, a really, really good game. It should be, right? That, that's an NFC Championship game preview, potentially. So, Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a great uh, game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. I, th- I got it a little bit more higher scoring. I'd say more in like the 30 to 27 range. But I think that the Niners can definitely squeak this one out if they don't. Yeah, there's obviously problems there, but I see them squeaking it out. I see them two and zero, and look, things could be a lot worse than two and zero. That's that's a hell of a start. 
um, then things are going to get dicey with the Packers and the Seahawks coming after that, which is another reason why you have to win this game. You do not want to be one and one playing Green Bay in Seattle. So I think that they squeak it out. I think they do it. Um, and hopefully I'll have less to bitch about next week. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, in the bitch about something. I'm always going to find something to bitch about. It's what I do. You know what, dude, I'm from New York. It's like, if you know, you're a Yankees fan, right? We bitch about things, right? It doesn't matter. We're, we're going to complain. Oh, this Yankees team. I'm in a toxic, we are Killing in a toxic me. relationship with this Yankees team right now, but. Killing me. Whatever. They did win today. Walk off. It's a hit. whole other pod. The Minnesota. Oh my God. Oh, maybe we start that? a Yankees pod, Javi. We get a pod day. Exactly. We might as well. My wife hates me already that I'm doing so many shows today. So we might as well. So. <laughs> You know what? Let's maybe table that. Maybe we get we yeah. talk and maybe we uh we do some Yankee stuff. Let's That's do a good idea. All right, man. Listen, I appreciate the time today. I know I kind of called you last minute to come on the show, so I really, really appreciate your time, man. It was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Till next week for Hobby. This is Al. Thanks.